first thing is knowing what kind of entity you are. Now, a lot of folks, they'll submit to, to get a LLC started at least. Um, you know, they'll file with their state and, and say, hey, I want to be a limited liability company. That tax status is the same as the first scenario, which is you just starting, you know, basically a sole proprietor or partnership. Welcome to the Painter Growth Podcast, where we help you scale your painting company in record time. Join us as we explore sales, marketing, hiring, finances, leadership, and more. Everything that you need to know to scale and grow your painting business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everybody? Mike Gorhickman here, founder of PainterGrowth.com. You're listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. Happy New Year. Um, or it's start of January. This might be, uh, yeah, right towards the end of January when this gets released. And hopefully it's very timely for you because um, we're getting to that point where we got to pay Uncle Sam. <laughs> we got we to gotta belly up to the tax man and see what we owe. And, and I brought on uh, my friend Daniel, uh, founder and CEO of Bookkeeping for Painters, uh, to help us make sure that we know what's coming and how to potentially reduce our uh, tax liabilities. So, hey, Daniel, good to have you again. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you uh, giving me the invitation and opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to helping people, uh, first of all, understanding what your tax burden is, um, and then and then finding ways to you know reduce that amount of tax you have to pay, then you know you're kind of the you're kind of the go-to guy in the industry. So mm-hmm. happy that you could make it on here. Now I remember back in the day, my first year of painting, I finished my year, thought it was great, had a lot of money coming coming in the account. But then when it came to pay the tax man, I think it was like twenty five thousand dollars that I didn't have anymore. Mm. Right. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people sucks. had that. So what can people do to like proactively? I know it's the, it's the start of the year, but like going mm. through the year, what can people proactively do to like be more aware of the tax amount that they're going to be paying? Sure. So great question. Um, you do want to stay. Most folks think that taxes are something that just happened to them. They don't realize that they can actually impact what they have to pay in taxes in, in a lot of cases, especially if you're a business owner one getting pro get a proactive mindset with taxes because you can actually affect it. So uh, the thing, the first thing I would say is know what t- type of entity you are in the U S you know, most folks, if you just start your painting business with no kind of filing with the state or anything like that, you're going to be a sole proprietor, or if you have a partner, you're a partnership. So that tax status uh, it's great. It's simple, you know, to start out with, if you start making any kind of money and I'll, just to put a number to it in the U S you know, if you're making more than um, 40 or $50,000 in net income, you know, you might want to start considering to switch to a different tax entity uh, because you start getting hit with a lot of self-employment taxes is what it's called. So that's the first thing is knowing what kind of entity you are. Now, a lot of folks they'll submit to, to get a LLC started at least, um, you know, they'll file with their state and, and say, Hey, I want to be a limited liability company. That tax status is the same as the first scenario, which is you just starting, you know, basically a sole proprietor or partnership that is the same. You're getting taxed the same way, unless you do some sort of election with the IRS and say, Hey, I want my LLC to be taxed as an S corporation. So, Know, know what uh, kind of entity you have and how it is taxed. So why so, is why is entity structure, at least in the States, I'm in Canada, so I can speak a little bit to the Canadian structure, but why is tax entity 
so like structure so important when it comes to calculating how much taxes you have to pay? Yeah, great question. Um, so the reason why it's important is because the way that the your tax liability is calculated, it, it whether it's going uh, when it goes to your tax return, it tells basically the IRS how to tax it. So if you're a sole proprietor partnership or LLC taxed as a sole proprietor or partnership, every dollar that you're making of net profit gets taxed at the self-employment tax rate of 15.3%. Um, and then on top of that, you're taxed at your tax bracket, which, you know, whichever tax bracket you fall into, um, you know, whether that's 22% or 15%, whatever it is. So you're kind of getting like two uh, hits twice with taxes, the self-employment tax at 15.3% and then the tax bracket tax. Now there's a way to get around that to avoid so much self-employment tax is to elect S corp tax status. Um, so you, if you have an LLC set up, you can send a form 2553 into the IRS and say, Hey, I want my LLC taxes and S corp, you know, uh, from January one and forward. You can, you can even if right now, if you're listening to this and it's 2000, you know, January, February, 2024, and you're realizing, Oh, I should have been taxed as an S corp last year, but I didn't do the election. You still could do a, a late filing. There's a way to do a late election um, on your form 2553 and actually get it back all the way back to 2023 January one. Um, so it's not all is lost. If you haven't done it, the typical deadline is two and a half months after the beginning of the year, but you can do a late election. Um, so when you tell the IRS, Hey, I want my LLC taxed as an S corporation, basically what you can do there is avoid a lot of self-employment taxes um, by taking a salary from the S corporation, your LLC taxes and S corporation, let's say a, a reasonable salary, uh, you know, let's say 40 or $50,000, you're paying to be, do you need to have, be employed as a W2 within your own company or can you like, like you're paying your folks? Like, yeah, I mean, imagine most gusto. people, like, I mean, you would probably know best, but I imagine most people kind of just pay themselves with dividends, right? Like, Oh my, the, it was a pretty good month. I'm going to pull out, you know, 8k or whatever. Right. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Distributions. They're just taking money, writing a check from the business to themselves and just that that's what they get paid. So um, but you can still do that, but you'll have to also run payroll, a uh, reasonable payroll uh, amount for yourself. Um, for most folks, that ends up being somewhere between forty and fifty, sixty thousand dollars dollars in some cases lower or higher. It kind of depends on the situation. But um, so you run that W-2 employee payroll through the year and, and pay yourself that reasonable salary to meet the IRS uh, requirement for S corps, you have to pay a reasonable salary. And the reason why they make that requirement is because the, all the other money that you're making. So let's say you did a hundred thousand dollars in net profit. You take a reasonable salary of 40,000, the other 60,000 doesn't get self-employment taxes applied to it. So you, that 60,000 times that 15.3%. I'm doing math here real quick, uh, about $9,000 in taxes saved. Mm -hmm. So, um, it can be a, a good chunk of money. I just had a call the other day with, with somebody in this exact situation. They had a hundred thousand dollars in um, uh, net profit from 2023 and he's taxed as a sole proprietor. I think he had an LLC started, but he, he didn't realize that it's just a sole, basically taxed as a sole proprietor. And I was like, you can save almost $10,000 in taxes by getting a late election for 2023 
and um, getting taxed as an S corp. Uh, since it's the end of the year, you didn't obviously run a reasonable salary. There's a workaround for that where you can w, um, do a, uh, a 1099 to yourself to basically pay those self-employment taxes. Um, and so you won't get in trouble by not running a reasonable salary because that is kind of a hot topic with the IRS that you got to run that reasonable salary for your S corp. So bottom line, there's a, there's a workaround you can do if you, if you didn't file, if you're filing late or if you didn't run payroll for the previous year. So let me ask, let me ask like a clear, a clear question. I don't want to get too much in the weeds in specific mm -hmm. situations. Um, so if a painting, I would imagine most people listening to this are in the States, they have an LLC, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a reasonable yes. assumption? Yes, absolutely. Um, which format is, is more tax advantageous to the guy who's say doing around 500 K and wants to get to a million. Should they be a C corp or an S corp? In most cases, it's going to be an S corp. Almost okay. all, all cases. The only time you'd really want a C corp C corp is if you're, you want to get outside investors, a lot of foreign investors, like some craziness that mostly, or you have some sort of retirement account that you want to fund your, your business with. There's a certain special program, but in like 99% of the cases, S corp election. Yeah. What are some ways that a painting contractor going throughout their year of business can do some tax forecasting and kind of understand how much they're going to have to pay and like just like preemptively either put away or pay uh, the IRS ahead of time to get some of that tax burden um, out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'll, I'll basically look at your tax return from the previous year. Um, there's a, a line called your, your, your taxes, the taxes owed, you know, how much you paid in taxes. Um, you, you, whoever did your tax return will, will probably provide uh, tax vouchers, which are like estimated tax payments. Um, and that tells you how much you should pay throughout the year. Um, and, and it's based off of kind of like last year, how do you, how you did last year. And so, because usually, you know, in a lot of cases you're making about the same amount of money that you made in the previous year. Not, not always for business owners, especially you kind of might go up and down, but last year's might be a, a decent kind of understanding of what you're going to have to pay this coming year. Um, so looking at, looking at your tax return from the previous year, seeing how much you paid in taxes. There's a line on the 10 form 1040 that says, you know, taxes paid that amount. You could pay in estimated taxes throughout this year. And that's might be, you know, what you might expect to pay this coming year. So that's one way to do it. Should you do, should people be doing like installment payments, like monthly or quarterly? Yeah. So, uh, there's estimated tax payments deadlines throughout the year. So there's April 15th. June 15th, September 15th, and January 15th of the following year. And basically that's supposed to cover the you know first, second, and third quarter uh, and fourth quarter. And is there like um, a threshold for how much uh, estimated taxes that you're supposed to pay that will determine if you're supposed to pay quarterly or not? Yes. So basically if you're, you're going to have to owe more than uh, $1,000 in tax, you know, at the end of the year, which most business owners are, are going to be, your business owner, <laughs> the easy way to say this is, your business owner, yes, you have to pay estimated taxes. Um, you know, without you know, with almost without exception. Now, there's a few. If you have another job that's taking, you know, there might be a, you know, you're paying because you're paying estimated taxes kind of like through your W two when they do withholdings. Um, so that could be a thing. But for the most part, you know, if you're a business owner, you should be paying estimated taxes in most cases. 
so what can so if we have those estimated taxes you pay your installments that are about the amount that you spent you know you paid in the previous year um what are some tracking mechanisms or or you know processes that people should be doing on a you know weekly or monthly basis to track you know potential tax like you know revenue and profit and gross margin and and, and future tax liability yeah so the uh the biggest thing is you know you pay money for the most part on your your net profit um obviously the the tax deductions are a little bit different than what you might see on your PL, but it's a pretty good uh rough estimate of what you're going to have to pay what your taxable income is you look at your net your PL as your net income on there your your bottom line so that's what you're paying taxes on um now if you're running salary obviously for yourself like if you're doing you're an S corp that is also going to be taxable at your, um, your income tax bracket as well. And then you have your personal tax rate, right? You're, you're yes. So, um, yeah, cause you have different, different rates depending on how much money you're making It's progressive tax rate. So it starts off at like 10 and then it goes up all the way to 37%. Uh, so depending on how much money you're making, you're paying, uh, that interest rate. Um, and it's, it's progressive. So you don't, pay like 37% on all your, your, uh, taxable income. It's, you know, the first, you know, $10,000 or whatever is at 10%. And then it goes up from there. And then you're um, just, you're just talking federal, like there's state taxes on top of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're in California, I feel sorry for you, but yeah, you got your, your state income taxes as well. If, if you're in Florida or Texas, you, you don't have to worry about that. Um, so, basically you're, you're paying for the income tax you're paying taxes on your 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 net profit plus your any salary that's going to you and then if you're married family jointly that would include your your spouse's uh you know income as well so you add all that up and then you can you know look up any tax table there's a lot of tax calculators if you just want to get a rough idea um you plug in your your w-2 wages and your business income and it will it will generate like how much taxes you're going to need to pay or uh now you might have paid estimated taxes throughout the year so you're supposed to be you know pay the, the irs is a pay as you go system so you should be knocking off of some some of that plus you're paying uh taxes through your w-2 wages you know in most cases you're um unless you have done something to jack up the allowances or or something you're probably paying federal and state income tax through your, your W-2 wages as well. So those two things, your estimated tax and your, your withholdings through your, your, your payroll, that's what you're paying throughout the year. And then what you owe is, is basically your net profit, your salary, your spouses, same thing there, add those up and, and apply it to your, uh, your tax bracket. Okay. So online tools, any specific online tool, uh, that you feel is really good. Yeah. The IRS actually has one. Um, that is, I mean, go to the source there if you go like irs uh withholding calculator is what you're looking for and it has a, a tax withholding estimator is what it's called um, okay. irs tax withholding estimator and it has all the things built into it um even though it sounds like it wouldn't apply to business owners it definitely does because there's a, a a portion to plug in like your your uh, business earnings and stuff like that so Cool. We'll link that. Um, if you can get me that link, I'll just link it below the podcast in the description for people. Sure. 
Um, so, so say we, so keep moving on, like down the path. So we figure out, you know, last year's tax, we kind of have an estimate for this year's tax. We have the number, oh shoot, we haven't done any sort of payments. So now we owe this much money. Um, what are some of the preparations that people need to do like from gen one until, you know, March 31st or whatever date the, the payments do, what are some things that they should be doing right mm -hmm. now to get on top of this? So we, you know, if you haven't done any estimated tax payments, um, we just passed the last deadline, uh, January 15th. So if, if you, if you can do at least one estimated tax payment by that date, that would be better than none. Um, are there interest if, if you don't do them? Yeah. Yes. For, uh, failure to pay tax, it's like a half a percent, um, interest. So it's not terrible, but you know, if you can avoid it, definitely do that. Um, but the biggest thing is the, you want to make sure you're filing your tax returns, right? So getting some records together for the year. So, so you, you can generate a tax return off of that. So if you have QuickBooks online or something, making sure the books are, are squared away, reconciled so that you can generate a tax return off of your, your books. Yeah. Um, you also have your January 31st is, or any subcontractor or any independent contractor filings for your 1099. So any folks that you paid as a sub, which basically if they weren't on payroll and you just wrote them a check, you're basically paying them like a subcontractor. Yeah. Um, so you would want to file a 1099 to the IRS and, and also send it to them. For each sub. For each sub, exactly. Which is basically just a form that says, hey, I paid you, you know, $20,000 this year. And it's, it's, you'll, in order to file that, you'll need their name, their tax ID number, which is usually their social, or maybe it's their uh, employer identification number and uh, their address. And so those three things um, you'll need to file. And hopefully you got a W-9 from them, which is what captures that information from them. So before you put someone on the job site, if they're a subcontractor, get that W-9 filled out by them, say, you know, as a requirement. But uh, if you're, you know, listen to this now and you're like, oh crap, I didn't do that have them, you know, fill out a, a W-9. Um, and hopefully and they have a TIN. <laughs> yeah. So you can do your 1099 filings, which are due January 31st. Um, and there are late pen penalties or um, for filing late for the, the 1099. So it's definitely something to pay attention to. Okay. Um, and you file that just on the, the IRS portal? So uh, if you're using QuickBooks Online, they actually have a pretty good tool to, because you're doing your, hopefully doing bookkeeping in there and you're tracking what you're paying your subs in QuickBooks online. They have a tool that's built right in there and you can do the filings, the e-filings uh, pretty easily through that. Um, you can submit uh, 1099 forms by hand, uh, you know, mail them into the IRS as well. Um, there's also something called track 1099, which you can do it online if you don't have QuickBooks online or something like that, uh, that, that works pretty well. Yeah. If you don't have a bookkeeping software, what are you doing? <laughs> need a bookkeeping software. QuickBooks Online, definitely recommend. That's what I use. That's what you recommend as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So what's what's after January 31st, once you get your 1099s all filed? So then we are up against the March 15th. Before we do that, before we move yeah. on to that, hold that question in your brain for a second. Mm -hmm. What if you have, because this is going to happen with a lot of people, what if one of your subs doesn't have a TIN or you can't get it from mm -hmm. them? So you can, you can file, 
basically the, what you have on them. Um, and then you're going to have to do backup withholding, which means um, you'll have to, similar to an employee, when you withhold you know, taxes and, and you pay the IRS, you'd have to do that with your sub. So, um, so that the, the IRS wants to get paid. Now, um, it's really important to get that W-9 before you have folks work with you because potentially you could be on the hook for paying their taxes if you don't have their their address, their their, their social and, and their um, their name. So really prevention is, is the best cure. So making sure you're getting that W-9 uh, before they start the work is, is the best way to handle it. Now, if you, if you don't get it, you can do a, you know, a filing that doesn't have all the information, not ideal because IRS is going to come back to you and say like, Hey, they might, they might keep you on the hook. And we, we've seen this happen before where the, the, the uh, business owner actually had to pay the subcontractors taxes because he left the country. So um, yeah, ideally get that information uh, from them so you can file those. You said that's um, the W9 it, form? Yeah. W9. Yeah. If you just search, IRS yeah, W9. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll come up. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving forward, March 15th. So this is the business tax return deadline. So if you're in the camp of having you had LLC uh, taxes and S Corp, this is where you want to make sure that um, 1120S is filed. And if you can't make that deadline, you can extend it by six months. Um, so you have a little bit more time to prep that. Uh so that is the now if you're if you're a sole proprietor or a partnership uh, well if you're a sole proprietor you don't need to worry about this deadline if you're a partnership you do have to worry about this deadline so see either s corps or partnerships uh, march 15th is is the deadline for getting your business tax returns submitted so what are the what are the steps that someone has to take in order to compile their tax return and and, and file it like so that. basically for the business tax return it's it's um you know, for partnerships and S-Corps, they are not taxable entities. The, uh, the, the taxes flow through to the owners and the owners pay the tax on it. So on your personal tax return, which is due on April 15th. So really what this tax return is, is basically your revenue minus your deductible expenses to get a taxable income amount. And then you get a K-1 uh, document that basically has, here's your portion of all the the uh, the earning the, the the net profit portion of your interest portion of all this uh, separately stated items, so you can fill out your tax your personal tax return. So uh, the biggest thing is you know having having some sort of records of what happened in the previous year, and you know giving this to your tax preparer so that they can fill out the the eleven twenty s or the ten sixty five partnership return. How important is it to keep every receipt from everything that we buy? Um, so there's, there's a couple of, uh, deductions that are scrutinized a little bit more than the rest. So for in the U S like meals, meals are scrutinized. So basically for a meal to be deductible, you'll need to be, you know, be a, a, like a business meeting with a client, a business meeting with an employee or a subcontractor where you're discussing business. Right. So those are deductible. However, um, there's different percentages and then you'll need to have documentation that some, that, uh, that uh, a business discussion took place. So for example, if you took out your employees um, to, to lunch uh, to discuss business and then, you know, whatever, 
you would want to keep the receipt right on the receipt, you know, uh, business lunch with employees and save that receipt digitally or physically. And all um, you have to do is write on the back of the receipt, what kind of the, the business purpose was and right. Yeah. That's the, that's the requirement is Iris wants to see a, a justification for taking a meal deduction. Mm -hmm. Um, so this could be taking out a client, taking out a, a employer sub, um, for doing a holiday party. So any meals, um, for the benefit of employees, like a holiday party, that's a hundred percent deductible, uh, 50% of deductible for like taking out an employee, um, for business or taking out a, a client for, for business. Um, any personal meals that you're just going in between jobs that is not deductible. So, so to answer your question, like, do we need to keep receipts for meals? Yeah. And then have the justification written on there. Um, the other big one is like travel or conferences and stuff like that. So business travel, like the meals still apply there. You'd, it has a travel meal. You'd want to write there on, on the receipt. And, um, uh, you know, if you're going to the PCA or, uh, you know, the painter growth event, you would want to make sure you have those receipts um, saved because that might be scrutinized a little bit more than if you went to Sherman Williams and, uh, you know, bought you lost, like those, your home receipt, not as big of a deal. Yeah. No, they're going to, the IRS will, will, will take your bank statement that says home Depot. Uh, you know, they're not going to give you a hard time about that, but yeah. meals, conferences, travel. Um, the other big one is vehicle, uh, especially for mile miles. So if you're tracking mileage on your vehicle and taking a deduction of, you know, whatever the mileage rate is now, you know, 60 something percent or 60.6% uh, per mile. Um, I'm sorry, 60 something cents per mile. Yeah. If you're doing the mileage, the mileage uh, and, and getting that as a deduction, you'll need to actually track your not miles on a, in a mileage log. So most so people being, don't do that. I know most yeah. painters, most painters don't do that. Yeah, it's it's a struggle. Uh, so that that's another one that's really scrutinized. If you took miles, they'll they'll, they'll ask for your mileage log when you're audited, and and so the way to make this easier is there are apps like Mile IQ that uh, you know has GPS on it. So you you drive, and then it after the end of the drive, you swipe left or right, uh, but personal or business, and then it will log that, and it'll give you a mileage log at the end of the year, and it will even memorize your um, your routes so that if you, if it's a typical business route, you know, we'll categorize it as business. So that's like the most hands-off way to do it. You can also just literally get a log and require uh, folks to you or whoever you're working with to, to, um, you know, put the miles in the log and, you know, when they're business and when they're not. So, so the way that most people do it, and we'll see if there's a way to, to fit this in is that they will, um, have a vehicle purchased personally that they'll use in their business and mm -hmm. they will drive it 80% for business purposes, 20% for personal purposes, and probably write off and pay all the gas on their business card. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's, I would say the typical case, maybe the bit, maybe yeah. the car, maybe the vehicle is owned by the business. Maybe it's owned by the person, but they pay put the gas on the business card. Um, how does, how does that work for tracking? So, in most cases that in that scenario, the typical case, the, the most uh, deduction you're going to get is by taking mileage, like, because there's two different ways you can get the, the deduction. Okay. For, so taking mileage is going to get people the most money back, the most uh, tax yeah. deduction. 
Okay. Yeah, unless your vehicle was super expensive, like if you paid over fifty thousand dollars for your vehicle, which could, you know, and, and then and also you didn't drive it that much. New truck these days, like my buddy just paid one hundred and ten grand yeah. for a new Chevy. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So it's possible you could have a, a a really expensive vehicle, and um, it's less straightforward. It might be better to take one or the other. Um. So a calculation would need to be done to, to determine, but if, if you're paying, if you paid over under 50,000, you're pretty safe to say, and you're putting, you're just driving the vehicle every day for work. It's probably mileage is going to be the best bet. Um, if it's over $50,000, then how detailed does your mileage log have to be like 27 kilometers to Mrs. Jones house, seven kilometers to the paint store. Does it have to be like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, didn't make the rules, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty detailed. You get a, every trip you have to log, which, yeah. You'd think there would be like a way where they could GPS it and it would be like an automatic upload to a ledger. Yeah. They like, they do have like my IQ is like the, or, or and that, that, that's something they don't pay me to say this. There's other ones out there too uh, that do this, but that, that basically GPS and you can just swipe left or right kind of thing. And mm. and then it will even memorize, like if you're going to the paint store every day, like it, it knows that you're going to the paint store. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, um, so vehicles, obviously something that we need to, you know, keep track of. That's a highly scrutinized thing. We're now at, you know, March 15th, submitting our corporate tax returns. What else? What else do we need to do to make sure that, you know, everything is in tip top shape and we're not going to have any surprises? So um, it kind of goes back to what we were saying. Make sure you know what your entity is. Sometimes folks, they think they're one thing, but they're not. Um, how do you, so find, how do you case, figure that out? Call the IRS and say, what, what am I? I want to make sure if you think you're an S-Corp, but you don't have any documentation, like yeah. you should get a letter that says, hey, you are now going to be taxed as an S-Corp moving forward, or your LLC is going to be taxed as an S-Corp moving forward. If you're not sure, you can just call the IRS um, and ask them, and they'll they'll send you they'll tell you and then they can also send you another letter. Um, so making sure you, you know what your entity is and, and then you're filing the, the appropriate return. Cause you would think that, you know, you thought you're an S corp and um, you, you do an S corp tax return that the IRS would be like, Hey, why'd you send us? You're not an S -corp. They don't, they won't tell you. So um, you gotta, you gotta ask and you gotta make sure you know. Um, but yeah, so make sure you're right. The right uh, entity, make sure you know your entity Make sure you have your books put together, uh, you know, for, for the previous year so that you can hand that off to someone to do the tax return. So when you say tax return put together, like what should that look like? Yeah. So at a minimum, you know, you have your basic categories. So you have like your revenue. So money accepted. Most folks listening to this will be a cash basis taxpayer, meaning any dollar in received from a customer for payment for services, that's going to be revenue. Like, um, Versus so accrual with a larger, like a larger commercial contractor where they have a lot of contracts out and work in progress. Like they'll, they'll work on an accrual base. Right. They, they will definitely be accrual base for managerial accounting, meaning like internal tracking, but they might, they might still be a cash basis for hmm. tax purposes because uh, unless you are a very large business or you elected to be um, accrual basis, you're, you're going to be cash. Everyone by default is going to be cash starting out. So um, so basically any dollars in your categorizes revenue, uh, you know, then you'd want to have some, your basic accounts, you know, paying for labor, 
or subcontractors, uh, direct labor, you're, uh, you know, paid for materials, you know, categorized like all your Sherwin Williams pur purchases or Dunn Edwards, whatever. It's all going to that account. And then, um, and then down the list, you have like advertising, you know, uh, your, in your insurance, those things are just separated in those basic accounts. If you're, if you want to just do bookkeeping for like tax return, you can actually pull up a 1120s or 1065 and it'll give you like the categories that are listed there on the, on the face of the return. Um, so that, that just gives you some basic uh, categories to go with. Um, now that if you have uh, balance sheet items or like vehicles or um, loans or credit cards, those are on the balance sheet. So you, ideally, especially if you're being taxed as an S corp, you're held to a higher standard. So you'll have to have a balance sheet that makes sense. So a balance sheet is basically a, a report from your, your bookkeeping software that shows you all the balances of all your different accounts. So your bank account, your credit cards, your Sherman Williams accounts, your, uh, your loan for any business loans that you have. So that should show an accurate listing of all the balances. And that's required as part of your 1120 uh, S filing. Um, yeah, showing your balance, balance sheet. Your balance sheet. Yeah. Yep. Um, so making sure that that that's often, especially if you're, if folks are doing that on their own, that's, that's kind of difficult to generate on your own. So if you are, um, if you're a sole proprietor or, uh, or an LLC disregarded, you know, taxes, a sole proprietor or a, a partnership, you, you might be able to get away with not having a balance sheet and just having some really, really, you know, just basic books. Um, once your taxes and S corp got to have professionalized. If you're using uh, QuickBooks online, the balance sheet and you link your bank accounts, the balance sheet's pretty much automatic. Uh, I wish that was the case. Um, okay. My bookkeeper is yeah. really good then. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, there's some, it does help for sure. Connecting your bank accounts to QuickBooks online. Um, that can, that can definitely help. Um, it just gets, you know, making sure you're reconciling the accounts each month, and especially with loans, splitting out principal and interest. It can get a little bit, probably you have somebody that, that knows what they're doing to handle it. Um, because especially if you're an S corp and you're not, you don't have a, you're not familiar with how to do bookkeeping, just get somebody yeah. to, to handle it for you. Um, once you're, especially taxed as an S corp. So, um, so uh, March 15th, S corp due partnership tax return due. And then the next one is April 15th, which is the, the personal tax return. So, um, there, again, there is an extension to file which is an extension to file, but not to pay. So that's something that folks um, get hung up on. You know, you can extend your, you know, on April 15th, you can get a six month extension to file the tax return, but you'll, you'll still need to pay the the tax owed on, on that date. So, will start accruing at that 0.5%. Yeah. Interest, interest in penalties. Yeah. Yeah. 0.5% per month or per week or per what? Uh, I think it's per month, but I might, it's not, it's just not per week. Um, okay. I think it's per, per month. Um, but th then there's also the failure to pay uh, as well. You get penalties on top of that. Um, and, and then just quick about the business tax returns, definitely make sure you file on time or get an extension in because there's a very severe uh, failure to file uh, for those. Um, personal tax return, uh, you know, you can do extension, but you'll need to pay, uh, pay the tax owed 
by April 15th, I'll get hit with some penalties there. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's the, uh, the first part of the year, as far as the dates go. Packs for dummies. Easy as that. <laughs> so is it too late for someone to like get help for 2023 or, or, or what? Like if this is very overwhelming for a lot of people, they're like, Hey man, I'm just painting. I'm just running crews right now. This is, I don't want to deal with this. Um, is it too late or can they, can they still get a bookkeeper for 2023? Yeah, you can get somebody to put your records together, uh, and do like the late election for S Corp. If you need that, you, um, it's most of the time it's accepted by the IRS. You can have them as we're getting down to the, the wire here for the 1099s. There's no extension for that, but at least you can, um, get those filed, as early as possible, if if it's if you're listening to this and it's after uh, January 31st, to limit the the penalties that are associated with that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, you can definitely get help for 2023 and um, get that squared away. And so, how do you guys help with this whole year end process for painters? Like, if someone so, came on and, want, and reached out to you, say, "Hey, Daniel, help me out. I'm stuck." How would you take a painting contractor and help them get this figured out by uh, March 15th? Basically, a lot of the things we just talked about, like what what are was what NC, how are you set up? Does it make sense to be set up like that? Should we do maybe you know go back and get you taxed as an S corp or just leave it as is? Um, and then from there, okay, do you have books? If not, we can put those together, um, and then make sure that we, you know, okay, we get your books together, file it, or do an extension if we need more time because we're you know the uh, you're you're late on getting everything together. Um, basically everything we just talked about, uh, we can, we can help you out with and, and get you squared away. You'll do the filing for the IRS, setting up the QuickBooks, um, doing right. all the, the categorizations and making sure exactly. you don't have any dates and stuff like that. Yes. Sweet. What's the easiest way for someone to reach out and just have a chat with you or one of your team? Yeah. If you go to bookkeepingforpainters.com, there's a link at the top, right? To a uh, schedule call, we'll jump on a call see what you're facing and puts a, a plan together to get you squared away. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? Then, then trying to figure it out. And I mean, what's the, what's the value? How much, how much money do you think you could save like the average contractor who say took home, you know, 80 grand? Um, what are some of the potential savings that you could see if someone like you just took it off their plate instead of them doing it themselves? So yeah, if they're, they're netting 80 grand or yeah. And netting eighty grand. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the S corp election, like in, in that case, they would probably be saving, you know, at least $5,000 in taxes right off the bat there, just by getting them in the right entity status and then making sure that they're getting all the deductions that they should, um, on their, you know, on their tax return. So, it, and then, you know, and ideally they would sign up for the tax planning program we have, which. Um, on average, we were saving twenty nine thousand per tax uh, tax planning client that we have because we're doing this throughout the year instead of like, oh crap, we need to do this all right now. Um, the tax planning program actually, there's more advanced tax planning strategies you can do outside of the kind of we just covered the basics today. This is just compliance and basics, but there's things you can do that are you know hire your kids, start a retirement plan, you know, uh, pull, put together a holistic plan that's tax efficient, you know, to save you a lot, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in tax and do that proactively throughout the year. Um, so yeah, we, we've saved, um, 
I know like individual tax planning clients, we've saved them hundreds of like a few of them, hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax um, because of the situation they're in. Wow. But yeah. That's awesome. So clearly uh, if, if your taxes are a mess and you're not sure where to start and you're like me, it's like, I don't want to even look at my books. I just, well, I like to look at my completed books, but I don't like to get in the weeds. Um, you need someone like Daniel in your corner. 100%. Sweet. Thanks for coming uh, on, man. I think, I, I hope, I, I, I think that was valuable. I hope that people got value out of that. Any last, last remarks? Uh, no, I, I think, um, you know, just make sure you're, you're, if you're just getting started, get, get the basic compliance things out the way, you know, filing your tax return and getting basic set of books. Um, and, um, there's a lot of resources out there. I, we have the profitable painter podcast. We cover a lot of this stuff for, especially, you know, if you're just getting started, um, and you, you're not quite sure about tax or finance, we cover a lot of these topics. Uh, and, um, yeah, go from there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I think that's super helpful for anyone trying to get going for their tax year. And uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.